when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited. I have a great repeat guest. His name is Mike Verrett from Verrett and Associates. Yes, that ampersand is so important because there's going to be some ands we're going to talk about today. And the and we are going to talk about today is about blueprints. Now, we have a brand and blueprint, and we have an audience and blueprint. And brand blueprint and audience blueprint is two completely different things. And that is one of the most common mistakes that a lot of people make. So, Mike, how the heck are you? Brian, I'm trying to think of a a cliche that we haven't used already. I think we already used, couldn't be better if there were two of me uh couldn't be better if i were twins i i'm i'm that good i always love talking with you it's fun it's energizing and we uh we tend to feed off of each other so i couldn't be as better far as i go if i was any better it'd be illegal illegal i like thank it. you so anyways uh last time we had such a blast talking i wanted to have you back on again and today we're going to talk about blueprints okay and we're not talking about building houses or any of that kind of stuff it's stuff that we do with our businesses and so many businesses fall into the trap of, you know, hey, we need to have a business plan and we need to have a marketing plan and then we need to have a brand blueprint. And mm-hmm. we had this convo that you said, hey, man, I don't work on brand blueprints. I work on audience blueprints. So describe the difference between a brand blueprint and an audio blueprint. Sure. So one of the biggest challenges that any business has with talking to their audience in a way that's going to engage them is that everything about their business is important to them. And that includes things like real tactical things like accounting and HR, for instance, that could be on there. But think about how they started the business and they started with Mm -hmm. a vision, an idea. Okay. What they need to do from that point is flesh out that idea into a cultural approach to how to bring that idea to life. And in many cases, they call that a brand blueprint or a brand plan or something along those lines. And it sounds something like this. At the top of the pyramid, you're going to see what is our mission or our vision. Like our vision is the top. Second is what is our mission statement? And third is what is our brand archetype? Fourth is what is our brand essence? And it all drills down to this is what our product or service represents. All of that is developed from an internal point of view. Mm -hmm. You're always thinking about your business from that point of view. How do I best show it to the outside world is based on look at how good the inside world is. Right. So one of those brand blueprint, the way that it works, I think is something similar to what disney does right i mean disney has a huge brand blueprint it is to make things fun to entertain people to live dreams those kind of things right and i think disney has been propped up apple has been propped up and people tend to follow that model i would agree a hundred percent in fact 
let's apply a model to the idea of um, manufacturing or creating a consumer package mm -hmm. good. What we did when I worked at Hasbro Toys and Games was no different than what Procter & Gamble was doing to make Colgate toothpaste. It is a process and it's step-by-step step to get something done, right? Like that's what the manufacturing world looks like. And to do that in a big organization, you need a guiding principle or a way of thinking or a philosophy where the people who are doing the work are aligned to your vision. Okay, so think of it that way. And as you think about that brand or business that you're building, how are you going to communicate that to the outside world? Take some serious consideration. All right. So Nike did not start with just mm -hmm. doing. That's not what they were in the first place. What they were in the first place was a guy who made racing shoes for a long distance runner to get ready for the Olympics. Like that's how it started. And the spirit of just do it was inspired at that moment. Mm -hmm. Right. But at that moment, when Nike was building, they weren't saying, we're just going to tell everybody, just do it, just like Bill Bowerman did. They needed to know what it was going to represent internally and what to build it as. So a great example is a brand archetype is based on storytelling. It's like the hero archetype. That's Luke Skywalker. You know, the father, sage, wise guide archetype is Gandalf. You could see these archetypes in movies all the time. Businesses feel the need to align with one of those so they can give themselves a persona, right. give themselves almost a human quality. The irony of that is they're basing that on all of their internal decisions on how to set up to get to that vision and not necessarily what the audience is seeing. So let's put brand blueprint to test here and we'll see how important it is to the insurance business, car insurance business. Years ago, there were brand archetypes. You had the good hands people, and we're going to take care of you with Allstate or Farmers Insurance or whatever it was. And you had this very strict, almost academic approach where that was almost like the professor or the teacher archetype with someone like Liberty Mutual. And they were all starched banker collars and Windsor knots. Then along comes Geico, and they've decided that they're going to be the jester archetype and they're going to leverage humor as a way into this commoditized business of auto insurance. They were the first ones to say so easy a caveman can do it in 15 minutes or less. Now, fast forward 20 years, there's not one insurance company who isn't the jester. You have Limu, Emu, and Doug for Liberty Mutual. You have flow for progressive you have all these people who followed the model of what was working for geico you know what i miss though mayhem i really liked mayhem same exact <laughs> insight though right it's all humor based all of a sudden and they figured out wait our archetype isn't the sage the teacher the the motherly figure our archetype needs to be what resonates with the audience that is 100% dictated by what the audience wanted was that jester archetype or that humor. Humor didn't exist in that brand blueprint. That's not what they set out to do, yet they constructed their entire business around that culture. So all of a sudden, you've got a huge disconnect between we're here for you, we're an auto insurer, and so easy a caveman can do it. Which one did the audience respond to and what did all those businesses do? Right. They blew up their brand blueprint. 
They changed who they are. Maybe internally they have the same core values, but the way they're talking to their audience completely changed. And so in the B2B world where I live, you know, a brand blueprint is nowhere near as valuable as an audience blueprint because in an audience blueprint i mean it's really based on relational marketing it's about you're talking to an individual you're talking to a specific person at a specific level inside of a company who makes decisions based on the kind of things that you sell so from you know how do we differentiate again from the brand to the audience blueprint in a way that's going to make sense what is what's the key thing that people need to think about with that well there are a couple angles to this but the one i want to focus on is a brand blueprint that a business makes is influenced by 100 of what that business is thinking and is important to them they can build something create an experience for their audience that's exactly what their audience wants but if they can't translate or interpret their brand blueprint internal business speak out to an audience, then they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that's where I constantly see the problems is this is what we stand for. This is our killer feature. This is this, but they can't attach it to the audience the right way. So by audience blueprint, what I mean is how do you take that brand pyramid style of here's our vision and mission all the way down to here's what we're going to create and sell. How do you translate that to an audience in a way that they're going to attach to it, like connect to it and go through it so they understand it the way you want them to? And that is really a translation exercise. And I've got a sense of what you're talking about, but I want to expand on it. So sure. let's talk about the difference between your mission and the audience. What do people need to know about those two different things? Because I think yes. we think that if we get it, and I'll give you a real clear example of this, okay? So in my business, for example, the key thing, I know what my end goal is. If I can make my customer more money, they will continue to pay for that right and that's fine that's the brand essence of what i do is i basically do it for them but i think what the audience really wants is they want an answer that takes them less time and that's really one of the disconnects i always focused on the make you more money part but really what they wanted was i want to have less effort involved in this concept which i don't understand so i want you to be the guru tell me what to do and make it less of a time suck yep and if you make me more money with that then we have a relationship right so is that a good example that's a great example and i'll even make it more general for you Rolex watches, they're not in the timepiece business. They don't go out and say, want to buy a watch. They're in the status business. They're in the, this person's wearing a Rolex because it's a Rolex, because I can afford a Rolex. It's status that you're selling. You're not selling watches. The same thing is true with a marketing or sales organization that you're working with, let's say. What they see internally is I'm doing all these things and working my ass off to get to a final result and it better pay off. And if there's an easier way to do it, to give them time back and save them resources and make the process more efficient, that's ultimately what is meaningful to them. Because otherwise they could just hire more salespeople and throw money at the problem. But if you align to what their actual issue is, it's look at all this stuff I'm doing to drive this revenue. And you're coming in saying you could do mm -hmm. a quarter of that. What they see is a time savings and a process advantage, not necessarily more money right away.
it leads to more money. But really what it's leading to at that moment is not what does the Q4 forecast look like? It's how much work do we have to put into achieving that Q4 forecast? Right. So the problem solving you're offering has to do with a different image of what you provide from the audience's seat. You see it as drive sales. They see it as sell by doing less. That's where you need to make that connection. So that's the difference between, let's say, what you believe you do, the brand side of it versus the audience side of it. That's where to make that connection. And that's where that translation needs to happen. And see, that's exactly it. So you've really defined the difference between the mission and the audience. So with that being said, you know, we tend to focus on what's important to us when we should be focusing on what's important to the customer. So what are some of the things that you think people need to look at, you know, because we do all have cognitive bias and we have those blinders on and we can only see the forest from the trees. How many more damn metaphors can I throw to explain that situation? <laughs> I don't think there are enough metaphors in the book, but I think that every business realizes it when it's pointed out to them that there's always an outside perspective of an easier way or a better way to do it because they don't have to be dealing with pushing the buttons all day. Mm -hmm. So they're just not, if it's your business, it's a day-to-day to-do list. If it's that not your business, you could see everything fine. Your vision isn't clouded. You don't have all those to-dos. You're just like, well, you should do this. This would help you. So an outside perspective is always invaluable in that scenario. But some of the mistakes that I've seen, for instance, um, organizations that hold on too tightly to their vision or mission and don't understand that everybody else doesn't see it the way they do is a really important one to understand. So going to going out to the world saying, we're going to make the world a better place through really good croissants. That's a bold statement to make to somebody, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You sell croissants, but your mission is to make the world a better place. That sounds really, really aspirational and hard to fathom for the outside world. But if he were looking at it as, okay, I'm not saving the world. Maybe I want to own the croissant business up and down. That's my vision and how we're going to get there internally is this. But at the end of the day, that person still needs to say, okay, this croissant's better than the competitor. Mm -hmm. So how am I going to translate that idea of croissant domination and making the world a better place by making the best croissants in the world. How do I translate that to somebody who's standing there saying it's a croissant? We are on the same page, but I want my friends to like me better because I'm eating the croissant. That makes it even, you know, <laughs> to think more of you. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Because I want that status of eating the croissant. You of know, I can't afford a Rolex, eater. but I can, I can eat a croissant and <laughs> I can eat it in front of my friends and not feel self-conscious because they know it's a quality croissant. croissant. All right. So we've kind of differentiated between what's important to you, your focus and your audience's concept of what you want to do. What is the order of information that we need to get out to them? And why is that important? So when you are creating your vision for your business, what you're not thinking about is how the outside world is going to process that vision, right? So let's put it in the context of you are a software company and you make a phenomenal SaaS product, okay? For context, I just learned what SaaS stands for about six months ago. But you make this unbelievable product and it's based on this killer app feature that's going to revolutionize 
the software as a service industry, let's say, okay? That is what you see. That's what you're focused on. So you're going to come out and say, look at this amazing new feature and look at what it can do or look at this amazing new product and look at what it can do. That's coming from what you've built, that internal side. But how do you make that relevant if you think that this feature or service is the winner? How do you make that feature or service relevant to your audience? They don't see it as exciting as you do. They don't know it's a new killer app that's going to revolutionize the world. 100% of what you're worried about, 2% of that matters. Mm -hmm. So how do you get them attached to the idea of this killer software is going to change your life? You can't go in services first because there's no context. And I'll give you a great example. Think about somebody who's written a book, like a consultant or a coach who's written a book, okay? And the first thing on their website is, I'm a published author and I wrote this book. Mm -hmm. The audience is thinking, unless you're Danielle Steele or Stephen King, I don't care that you wrote a book, but you chose to lead with it. That's order of information. And People consume information as people first, business second. Think about reading uh, reading a website and you're reacting to if you're going to read on or more. You're making that assumption or that decision based on a human being consuming five to seven seconds of information. You're not running it through a business filter, right? right. So I need to grab your attention first. I need to align with you first on what I'm doing. If my product delivers this great experience, I can't lead with that because you don't know what that experience is yet. Mm -hmm. How do I make it relevant to you first? What are you going through? What's that challenge? How do I deliver that solution in a concise way? How do I show you how you get to that solution? And how do I show you the services after that? Now you're lining it up with what, what am I going through as the audience? What am I experiencing? How, how does this solve it? What are the services? How do I get in touch? You've put your mission, vision, whatever brand pyramid approach into the right order of information that a human being would process it. And remember, it's like a funnel of a funnel of questions, like an FAQ page. It starts with the most general and ends with the most specific. So if you come out talking about your product first, but they are still on the first question, who are you? And that's the most general question you're introducing something that's way down here in that FAQ framework. Mm -hmm. They're not going to follow along the way you think they will. No, and I agree with you 110%. I think the order that you do things is very important. One of the guests I had on, Mark S.A. Smith, talked about winning the race. And he, he brought up four different things in this acronym. Order number one for the R for marketing is relevance. Number two, A, is awareness. Number three is consistency, right? Relative awareness consistently leads to engagement. When you take that and you transpose it over to sales, now we're getting to the sales side, which is what everybody wants. But the key thing is you have to do those first. You have to be able to make that human attachment. So relevance leads to relationships. Awareness leads to authority. Consistency leads to commitment. And engagement leads to execution. Yeah. And those two things work in concert. So basically putting that in the right order, like you said, basically your audience blueprint talks about that, is thinking about it from a human standpoint. How does that match up with what you're saying? The first thing I would point out is with, the, with that race acronym, really what you're getting to is that 
no like and trust to to drive engagement, right? To drive that purchase. Exactly. And the key to that acronym is the relatability. If you can't relate what you're doing to them on their terms, they're never going to see what you're doing. Right. Bottom line, they'll stop reading if they can't follow along because they've got so many damn options. They put something into Google and all this stuff shows up and all they do is move the mouse back and forth between the back button and the next result. They skip SEM. I don't know why people even bother with that. Nobody clicks on the the ads anymore. They go straight to the organic and then they react based on not how high up in rank it is, but how it resonates with them. If they read the first five seconds and it sounds like meh, 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 but the fourth one, they're like, oh, they'll read further down. Mm-hmm. And that's simple human behavior to understand. You know, it's not research. It's not quantitative and qualitative. It's common sense in human nature and logic, how our brains work. Right. And all that gets tangled. So to get to that area of consistency and re- relevance, awareness, consistency, and engagement, it starts with what do they want? first do they want you beating your services down their throat no so how do you bring them in through something of value mm-hmm. what's valuable to them from a content standpoint this is relevant to you exactly yeah and that's the key i think is that that relevance is the the thing that attracts them in and and thinking of it from your audience perspective is what relevance is about exactly exactly and that that idea of you want what I've got or you need what I've got is dead. Mm-hmm. Think about how we search on Google for everything. The brand doesn't even know we're looking at them. Their best hope is that their SEO combination from their data scientist will push them up to a certain level. That's all the control they have, though. They've ceded everything to the audience. So the idea of relating to the audience and knowing that the audience wants content that's helpful to them for free. They don't want a product list and sales message. That's different than what they're thinking internally. Just like you're saying, I'm thinking drive sales. They're thinking save time and do it more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where that disconnect, I'll give you a great example. I worked recently with, um, he's a consultant and he works with CEOs for new businesses that they have a vision, just like what we were talking about, this brand blueprint idea. They have a vision of what they can bring to their audience. And they want to build the company on that, but they don't know how to manage their power. They don't know how to get that vision to go in the right direction because the business is too complex, because they have expertise in some areas and not others. It could be a number of things. If you go to his site, the way that he starts is power and managing power as this almost amorphous ethereal thing like the force in Star Wars. And the CEO has this power and they need to know how to wield it and all that kind of stuff. And he's got a picture of his book. When we were done talking about what he's doing and how it translates to his audience, where we landed was you need a way to ground the idea of power in reality. You can't think of power from a CEO's power perspective in your lens. You understand it as how do I harness this new thing that I have and how do I use it for good, you need to align everybody else on that immediately. So we landed on simplicity of communication is key to explain, like simplicity of an idea is key to explain something that's just non-tangible, like power of a CEO. 
what we immediately did was align it to the idea of a power grid for a city where the leader is that source of power, the power plant. And that power is extended through those lines to the intermediaries management to get them on board with the vision. And ultimately the outlet, the output where it goes to the home level, that is your team empowering them to advocate, to reach that vision. So you've applied your power and distributed it so that everybody can benefit from it. Mm -hmm. That changed everything from that moment on for him, where now he can relate power to a tangible thing that anyone who's ever worked a light switch knows what it is and how it works. And it's no longer this ethereal principle that he has to try and explain to people about how do you wield your power, use the force loop is no longer in that conversation. Like, I get it. I have to be able to distribute my power and vision through the organization the right way. And what you've done, you know, from a marketing guy standpoint is you have visualized mm -hmm. the power plant, the big lines coming out, those four big lines coming out, going to towers. And now the towers are spreading out through the city and going through neighborhoods. And then it gets down to the pole into the house. Yep. And so you can actually visualize that in a way that totally makes sense. That's brilliant, dude. And what you just said and explained is based on... 30 seconds of how I set up that business for the audience. Well, man, a CEO's power, it's like managing a city's power, mm -hmm. where the CEO is that power source where it's manufactured. You filled in all the blanks, and I just used that example. That's exactly what that translation needs to do from brand to audience. Right. And then that, that allows the audience to understand the concept much right better. away and unambiguously on their terms. Dude, this has been amazing. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So if my audience wants to learn about you yes. and how to get their power and talk to their audience, what's the best way for them to do that? Two ways. One is I haven't seen a lot of Mike Barrett's on LinkedIn who look like me in their picture. Find me on LinkedIn and let's connect. I'd love to, uh, love to talk. And you can also go to my website, and A N D associates, because I couldn't get away with the ampersand in a website. Uh, URL, verettandassociates.com. And you can even schedule all I sell is free 30 minute calls. <laughs> or am I supposed to call them complimentary calls? Uh, I have a branding exercise for you before we finish up. And what I suggest you do is you say, I give you a croissant of time on my website. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I think it's the perfect measurement unit. Who could possibly get that wrong? It's not free. It's not complimentary. It's a croissant. Yeah. It's a croissant. It has inherent international value and allure. I love it. It's like the Rolex of baked goods. <laughs> Which makes me the Rolex of bacon, right? <laughs> hey, brother, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. Man, this was powerful. I love talking to you, and we're going to do it again soon. And uh, once again, brother, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. Mr. Bacon, I wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it every time. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon.